Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 15 of Prospect Profile. My name is Lawrence, and uh, we got a special show tonight. Um, this is going to be a little bit different than the usual format where I, I cover two prospects. We're actually doing another like of the special shows like uh, I did with the national t- title game the other on um, the uh, episode 13 with uh, with my good friend Nino. This is going to be on today's well as of today as I'm recording this. I'm not sure when this will actually uh, release, but as of today, the today's East West Shrine game, uh, the which is one of the the big um the college uh, football you know draft potential uh, showcases for for guys entering the draft and it's it's kind of the lesser one to the senior bowl which is next week which I'll also be doing a show on uh, as well next week but yeah the the shrine game is like the lesser of the two and has like kind of the the lesser known and lesser hyped prospects, I guess you could say. But I guess that's why th- this game is clo- a little closer to my heart a bit because I-, I definitely have a soft spot for guys that aren't always like as hyped as much, or you know, I don't have that the hype machine behind them as as much. And I like to find those diamonds in the rough a little bit and see, you know if there's potential in some of these guys to be really, really good players, even if they get drafted a little later than some of their counterparts do. And I really do feel in today's game, some guys really, really stepped up to the plate and showed that they could be really, really good, good pro players and really up their stock as well. Well, I'm going to start off with the, uh, my first person. I really going to start off with, evaluating here from the game was Brett Ripien. Um Brett Ripien is the quarterback from Boise State and he's also the nephew of former Redskins Super Bowl winning quarterback Mark Ripien. And Brett Ripien I feel really put his name in the conversation of top 5 QBs in this class. And I know it, I understand this is a weak class. This isn't last year's class at all. So that is part of the reason why he's able to find himself in this conversation. But I believe a lot of the things he did today in this game shows you his potential and what he could potentially do if given a chance in the NFL. He Okay, so he had one touchdown pass in this game, and it was to LSU running back Nick Brosette. This was uh, on a wheel route. And uh, Nick Rosette came out on a wheel route, and Ripon just put this ball to him perfectly over the shoulder, dropped perfectly into the hands of Brosette, and for the touchdown. And it was just one of those throws you go, wow, that is a throw I can imagine an NFL quarterback making right there. He really just had that perfect amount of loft, the perfect touch on that ball. He It wasn't too strong it wasn't too under it wasn't underthrown it was just dropped in with the perfect amount of touch and you see that throughout Ripien's game uh game when you watch him he just is able to make a lot of different kinds of throws he doesn't he doesn't try to over he doesn't overthrow guys too much he doesn't really underthrow guys he's pretty accurate 
and he knows when to put touch on the ball, when to throw it with a little more velocity. And I really like that about him a lot. And But, I mean, obviously the thing with Rippon is that he doesn't quite have that that real challenge you down the field type of arm. But at the same time, I really feel like he can pick apart a defense. He's very surgical in the way he he operates back there in the pocket. And I think he has pretty solid pocket presence as well. And I, I, I just really like what I saw from him today. I think he definitely did nothing to hurt him, himself, that's for sure. And I, I really do feel... As if he may have played himself, you know, maybe into a a late first round pick, possibly if you know a team is really looking for a quarterback and decides to go up for maybe from the second round and grab a guy, he's poss- possibly a guy you can watch out for there. But if not, you know, he definitely could. I could see him just so going at round two level or something of that sort. So another guy that I thought really did did a really good job today was Nick Allegretti who is the center slash guard I should say for Illinois uh, he he which nice about Nick Allegretti and he showed it in this game is he actually played three different positions in this game he played left guard he played center and he played right guard throughout which shows his versatility and his ability you know, to really be able to bounce around the line, which is such a big deal now for a lot of NFL teams. They really want to see their offensive lineman prospects be able to, you know, adjust because offensive line depth is very hard to come by these days. And you only get more, um, how should you say, you're only going to get more hyped up if you are able to play different positions on the line because that makes you a lot more useful to teams that, that really need offensive line depth because they could use you anywhere or you know almost anywhere. But besides that, I really thought he did a fantastic job, um, especially in the run game. He really pulls out uh, extraordinarily well and he gets up in the guy's pads and just, just really um, barrels into the guys and just just does a really, really good job in the in the pullout game, and and just just really taking guys off their their spot and and opening up lanes for the running back. I, I really liked what I saw from him. I don't know, you know, I don't know how when he exactly he would go in the draft, but I definitely feel like he turned some heads today with the way he played. I, I mean, even the you know, the commentators during the on the NFL Network. Uh, uh, really noted how how much he was making an impact throughout, and you you could see it when you when you watch the film. And he really did impact the run game a lot. Um. Also, speaking of the run game, uh, Ty Johnson, uh, from Maryland, running back. I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, he just showed a lot of potential, and I I thought that Ty jo- Ty Johnson was pretty solid. Uh, out there. I wouldn't say he was amazing, but I thought he did pretty good and put uh, put his name on the map. So look out for Ty Johnson from Maryland. This running back class, I really feel, is is just so deep. There's just a lot of guys that are going to be out there, and some. I mean, and unfortunately, I, I really think some of these guys just aren't going to get drafted, and 
there's going to be some real diamonds in the rough in, in the run game, I think, coming out of this draft. There's a lot of guys to like. Uh, but, man, uh, okay. Next, though, one of the probably... Probably the man who should have won defensive MVP for the game today was Jordan Brailford, edge rusher from Oklahoma State. Wow. Um, I I gotta say, uh, this guy I had not seen any film of. I have really not watched a lot of Oklahoma State this year at all. Um, but holy cow, you know, in Oklahoma State is not necessarily known for you know defensive talent well i mean he replaced emmanuel agba who plays for my favorite team the cleveland browns and i really think this guy has more potential than emmanuel agba does as a player i just from watching this uh the shrine game he just showed some serious bend on this one sack on ripping and just constantly constantly all over the place he was making plays in the run game uh he he actually had another fumble he had a fumble recovery as well i think he had like was it three sacks today something close two or three sacks today as well made some big time run stops the guy just has a ridiculous motor and I, I just really was impressed with him. I really saw a potential NFL player there. Uh, and whether he's a rotational rusher or a guy that really... I mean, and I think he could be more than that. Because I saw a guy that made plays in the run game as well. And didn't get stuck on blocks when trying to stop the run. He made some really nice tackles too. And so I don't know. I just came away seeing a total package there from him. And... I really think teams have got to give some serious consideration to Jordan Brailford after this game. And I'm sure the GMs that were there watching noticed. I mean, he was all over the place. He's not the only edge sort of player that was all over the place as well, but I'm going to get into that in a little while. But, yeah, man, Jordan Brailford really, really impressed me today. Just had some nice pass. He had some nice counters on offensive linemen. Some nice moves uh, in his repertoire. And like I said, just the bend. You know, he can get around. He has that hip flexibility. He can get around the offensive tackle. And and he got to ripping quick. He's like he's a really he's really quick off the line as well. So definitely I really want to keep an eye on this guy. And I'm thinking he could really be like a like a round three type of pick with with what he showed today. Um, so another guy, another pretty, uh, actually another good defensive lineman that showed out today was Daniel Wise from Kansas. Um, he had been reportedly unblockable in the practices leading up to this game and it definitely carried over somewhat. I I don't think he made as big of an impact as like a Brailford did where you saw the impact, but Wise was definitely... In a lot of plays, he clogged up the middle a couple times. And he is another guy. He can play kind of all around the line. He kind of moved from inside to outside a little bit. 
And I really like that his versatility. And I, I really found he was uh, really, really making making an impact on that defensive line. So Daniel Wise, another guy. He's actually a Dietrich Wise's brother who is playing in the NFL right now. So that's, you know, the gene pool thing is always a big thing with some some GMs. They feel like, you know, the gene pool, there, there's something there where it runs in that family. And definitely think Daniel Wise is, you know, going to be an NFL player because like, a lot of that with those the gene pool and just his own physical talent and ability as well. So Daniel Wise is another guy. And, you know, like I said, he can play a lot all around the line as well. So I'm looking forward to see how an NFL team is going to use him exactly because uh, he's very versatile. Another offensive lineman that showed out pretty well was Tyler Jones from NC State. Another guy really, really good at uh, pulling out in the run game and just hitting that second level and just getting into blocks big time. You heard his name more than once on the broadcast, and uh, there's a, the reason why is because he is very, very willing blocker in the run game and a very dominant one at that. So I really, really liked what I saw from him as well. So I would definitely say the two offensive linemen that really stood out were, were Tyler Jones and Nick Allegretti from Illinois, which both interior guys, so... Take that for what you will. The tackles didn't. I didn't. Wasn't really impressed with the tackle play in this game, but interior guys looked really good. Um, so Jordan Tiamu, the uh, Ole Miss quarterback. I um, Tiamu's an interesting prospect to me. I love the kid's arm. Uh, he really, really has a, a cannon. I, I mean, to say the least, and that that kind of works. And also doesn't work in his favor sometimes. Um, because Tiamu really can tend to overthrow uh, guys at times because of that. I think he sometimes underestimates his own arm strength. And he just, sometimes he doesn't really know when to just drop it in. Normally he'll just kind of fire it, you know, use his cannon of an arm. And he doesn't always know how to hit guys with, like, the touch pass or whatever. You know, so he doesn't always have that, that good touch on, on his throws. You know, you has, he has all that strength, but sometimes doesn't know how to control it. He's a, little, he's a little wild in that sense. But, I mean, boy, he can make some NFL throws with that arm. That, that's for sure. There's no doubt. I really liked on a play, though, when he was – he had to scramble from – uh, Justin Hollins, who I'm going to be talking about uh, in a little bit, he had to scramble away from Justin Hollins, who had been running roughshod this whole game, and he was about to hit hit Tayamu. And while that was happening, Tayamu was telling uh, Custis, the receiver from Syracuse, to come back, like come back for the football, and he got him to come back just in time and. Threw a dart to him on the on the run, and then you see you see those plays and you go wow like wow Jordan Tayamu can really sling it, but I he, I really feel like Tayamu really needs to get that can sit 
that consistency down, you know, to a, where he's making those throws most of the time and not kind of, you know, spraying it around, you know, wildly kind of overthrowing and, and whatnot. I think there's definitely potential there with him, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he is quite a NFL ready yet. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. <clears throat> but he also, oh yeah, he also had another one, another throw to uh, Terry Godwin. It, you know, again, just just launched it to him, and this one this one dropped in really well to Godwin. I felt um that was the but that ball got ripped out. Godwin caught it, but. He got it ripped out by Motre Hardage. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. I apologize if I'm not. Um, Hardage. He was a corner from Northwestern, and I thought that was a really good play by Hardage. You know, he got beat on the coverage. It wasn't bad coverage. He just that was just a better throw. And, but he really made a great recovery on that to rip the ball out, create a turnover that got returned almost for a touchdown, not by him, but uh, the Michigan safety. I, name is escaping me at the moment but yeah that was another really nice throw though from Te'amu so you you see like you saw some of the potential Te'amu has but I just don't know if he's quite there yet in terms of of you know guys stepping in there right now I I don't and I don't think anybody really sees that at the moment but um moving on uh, I thought I saw a nice play where North Alabama safety Chris Johnson he came from the other side of the field uh, to almost come up with a pick. I thought it was a really like he showed some cra- awesome crazy range on that play. Um, didn't really hear his name too much more after that. It was a really nice play, but then you didn't really hear from him too much after that. So you know, take that for as what you will. It makes me want to kind of dive into it. maybe try to look up more film on him and see if, if he this is something he does with consistency and does pretty often. But I really thought it was just a really nice play on a, on a big stage to to be able to do that. So oh, so another but an interesting story on because you know you kind of get some your small school guys here and there's a couple of really neat stories this year. So. The one first one, Brody Oliver, is a wide wide receiver from the Colorado School of Mines. No, I am not making that name up. <laughs> he he goes to the Colorado School of Mines, which is a Division two school. And Brody Oliver had fifty nine touchdowns receiving in his career. That is just absurd. I. That's just the that the absurdity of that number is just I just I'm just mind boggling, mind boggling stuff. I it's that's almost 15 touchdowns a year, which is insane. That's insane. And I I actually really thought during the game I thought he really operated pretty well out of the slot, and he's able he was able to get some pretty decent separation out out of that that area. And had a couple night pretty decent catches, so I don't know. I think Brody Oliver's a guy that could you know be on a radar on the like possibly the like the undrafted market after things happen. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, Division Two is obviously it's it's a just a completely different ball game than than F- FBS or even FCS for that matter. But I I mean I thought he showed out pretty good today in the limited uh, uh, stuff he was able to do, and I thought he blocked pretty well down uh, downfield when need need be as well. So he does the little things, which he's gonna need to do if he wants to make a team if he doesn't get drafted. So. I thought that was pretty cool uh, to see from him. And another, like, small, I wouldn't say a small school, not even really a small school, it's just a different country, uh, was Matthew Betts uh, went to Laval in Canada, which is interesting. He's one, he was the Canadian player that was here this year, and he had a couple nice uh, rush rushes off the, the line, He's a defensive lineman, and I thought he had a couple nice rushes. Nothing crazy, but uh, you know he it was pretty. I thought it was pretty cool to see him there. So after that, though, uh, I so Ulysses Gilbert, linebacker from Akron, he uh, he read a screen absolutely perfectly, and he almost pick sixed it, but he dropped the pick. That was um, a really good play. You wish he kind of finishes that play, but you also you praise that kind of coverage from a linebacker. And you're seeing more and more now that these linebackers are able to cover now. They're they're quick and they they can get out and cover. And I thought that was a really nice play from him. Didn't hear a whole lot from him after that or before that, but that was that was a good individual play from him. Um, so. A lot of people were talking about the Elon tackle, uh, Udo, offensive tackle. He's a big dude, he's like six six three twenty five or something crazy like that, and he can really bully linemen around. But I found throughout the game, he did have trouble with speed rushers. You know, guys that are a little quicker than him. He can strength out strength guys, but he's not going to out quick guys. So that could be a really a limiting thing for him in the NFL. In, the, in that sort of potential, so you know he—I think he's at it. He would need a little quicker feet, I think, to be a really dominant offensive lineman. But I think he definitely could make a roster with, with just because of his size in general. You know, you can—I think you can work with that at least, and maybe be a good depth, you know, depth guy for you. So i thought that he was pretty he was an interesting small school smaller school prospect as well <clears throat> and uh so nebraska's running back ozigbo I, I he had a pretty solid game had a lot of big bulldozing runs up the middle he's like he's built like a fullback almost he's just a big guy i think a lot a lot of that does can cap his upside a little bit but he did have some really some wrong runs too. He's got a little foot speed in him as well. So just another guy just that you throw on top of the pile of the, this running back class. There's just a lot of guys out there. Uh, I'm really just I'm just stunned at just the amount of depth in the running back position this year. And another so and yeah, and they were another guy they were talking up big that was from a small school was Trey Pimpkins, the uh, Sioux Falls tackle. Sioux Falls. I mean, yeah, there, there, you know, there's another one. It's like, holy cow. But uh, yeah, I, he, I wasn't impressed with him. 
I found he's he gets beat on his inside shoulder quite a bit by pass rushers. He kind of doesn't get set right, and he just kind of gets behind, and then he has to work. And then a lot of guys are able to take advantage of his mistake, and then they get him on the inside. The inside, they don't really beat him to the outside, but they more beat him on the inside a lot more. And so I don't know. I wasn't. I didn't come away thinking Trey Pimpkins is a guy that is I can start, you know, day one, or even I don't even know really ever be a, a reliable starter in the NFL. But probably more as a backup type of guy. Um, another guy that I saw a couple, he made a really couple nice plays actually was, uh, uh, Holman, the cornerback from Toledo. He, he had one play. He had a, on a, a, you cut a coverage on a deep sideline bomb from Taylor Cornelius, the Oklahoma state quarterback And Cornelius. It wasn't the best ball. I mean, he really didn't place the ball well, but Holman did a really good job locating the ball in the air. He turned his head perfectly. He located the ball, and the ball went right in his hands, but then he, at the end, uh, the receiver knocked it out of his hands right when he was going to the ground, and he couldn't hold on to it. But that's I thought it was really good coverage on his part. Not a good throw from Cornelius, but it was also it was also good coverage from Holman, though, to be able to make the play and able to turn his head back and go for the ball. In another play, he actually went against against Josh Custis from from Syracuse, the the big 6-5 receiver, and it was a I'm sorry, uh, Jamal Custis, I apologize, I mean Josh. Um Jamal Custis was 6-5, big time big dude and they threw a fade uh and it, it was a pretty well-thrown ball. But uh, Holman was able to get right up into into Custis and just uh, interfere. I mean, you could say maybe that would it would have been a penalty. He was pretty physical with Custis on the play, right, right as the ball was getting there. But I really liked his effort on that. He was outsized there. You know, that's a hard assignment to to make down a big basketball type of receiver there and I thought he really held his own on that play and I, I don't know it, it was good it was I thought he did a really good job on that it was good physical coverage and I don't know I, th- I think he, he put out some film out there that made me think you know he could be a good depth guy for a team for sure uh, that you know maybe fifth round sixth round pick that, that you could take a shot on so um Going back to a guy I was talking about briefly earlier that I didn't go into as much detail about was Justin Hollins from Oregon, who was named the defensive MVP of the senior of the, I'm sorry the senior bowl the Shrine Game, and boy wow, Hollins was great. I I don't know if I'd call him the defensive MVP. I, I mean I think if anything him and Brailford could would share it with another guy I'm gonna I'm gonna mention as well. But man, Justin Hollins, he looked the part of a guy that I think could actually start for an NFL team. I really, really like Justin Hollins a lot. He has long body, long arms. He's a lengthy dude. 
and that bodes very well for a, an edge rusher. They they can use those arms to rip and pull away from blockers, and I found he could really do that, and he could bend outside. He had two sacks in the first half of the game. He's quick. He's able to to beat blockers with inside, outside, and he was also making plays on in the run game as well. Uh, used his arm. He get he got off disengaged from blockers with his his long arms. Bring brought down a, a running back for a tackle for a loss. That's exactly the type of stuff you want to see from an edge guy. The guy that can do a little bit of everything like that, that's excellent. And the thing is, too, he was playing inside. He was playing outside. He was playing on the line of scrimmage, off the line of scrimmage. You could play this guy anywhere. He's very incredibly versatile. You could play him. I think you could play him at a linebacker. You could play him off the line. I mean, you, you could really toy with this guy and put him as a, use him as a chess piece and really, really throw off some offenses with him and really wreck some offensive game plans with him. I... Really, really like Justin Hollins. He impressed me a lot coming out of this game. I yeah, I think he had 10 tackles, two sacks at the end of it. And that is impressive. He That 10 tackles shows me you're in on a lot of plays. And he sure was during this game. He, he was very, very present. So, I mean, I'm not going to say the defensive MVP was not warranted for him. You know, he it's... He's definitely in the conversation for it during this game because he was really great. I I definitely think think he just upped his stock major after this game. I think I think he is one of the guys that his stock shot up, and I th- I think the you know, GMs really caught wind of what he was doing, and they go you know you go whoa okay, I think we need to look at this guy's tape a little more and. I think he could shoot up. I think he could be a second-round pick, to be honest with you. What he showed, I really, really believe that he could be. So, and so a a prospect profile favorite, Jimmy Moreland was playing in this game, which I was so happy about. James Madison's corner, Jimmy Moreland, in case you all have not uh, listened to the first episode of our show, which covered Jimmy Moreland. And so that's why I have a little soft spot for this guy. And Jimmy Moreland re- almost returned a kick six at the end of the half. Uh, they went for a 60-yard field goal. They missed it. Moreland caught it and just started gunning down the sideline, find, you know, finding his way around blockers, you know, locating his blockers well, just getting around. He got tripped up by the long snapper at like the 50-yard line. It would, if he didn't get tripped up there, it was a touchdown. Jimmy Moreland shows you exactly what I was telling you all about on the first show. He is an explosive, dynamic player that can make plays at any given time. He is a dangerous returner, whether it's in special teams, whether it's off an interception. Jimmy Moreland is a real deal. If he doesn't get drafted, there's something wrong with talent evaluators in the NFL. This guy can play. And this guy can be an NFL corner as well as an NFL special teams monster. If, I, if anything, even if he doesn't pan out as as well as he should as a corner, this guy is going to impact so many special teams. He has got it when it comes to special teams play, return, return game, 
and probably as a gunner too. I think he would kill somebody as a gunner. He's so quick. Love Jimmy Moreland. One of my favorite prospects in the class, and I, I really, really wish... I really hope somebody grabs him earlier than people think and really takes a shot on him because I think Jimmy Rowland's going to be a really, really good player. And I thought he did a really good job throughout the game as well in coverage. You know, that that's kind of the thing I, I am neglecting to mention here is that I thought I thought Jimmy Moreland did pretty damn good in coverage as well. He... He was. They actually played him in all different positions. He showed ability that in the slot. He played outside. He's a. He was physical. You know, he didn't look uh, too afraid of his competition. There, he's a very uh, physical, and he talks too. He's not. He doesn't back down. So, I really like his his attitude and the way he plays the position as well. I think that's gonna make him fare very well when trying to make a roster. So, I uh, I really like what Moreland did here for himself. I, he did nothing but help himself in this game, and I'm really happy for that because I'm a big fan of him. So another guy that was getting talked about quite a bit uh, didn't have like all like the stat statistical plays in this game, but Dalen Mack from the Texas A&M, the defensive tackle, really was a big problem in the middle all day, uh, just taking up space and just really uh, clogging up the middle. I thought he did pretty well for himself, and uh, I don't have a lot to add on him, but everybody was saying he really did well in the practices throughout the week as well, so uh, I really liked um, really liked what I saw from Dale Mack, the limited uh, amount I did see, but one of the biggest stories, I think, of today, for sure. Uh, McNeese State linebacker B.J. Blunt. Um, I, John Ledyard uh, from the Draft Network is is all over this kid, and, and I could see why. Uh, he, I just love the way this guy plays football. He, he was just one of those guys that just clearly, absolutely loves and is passionate for the game, and is playing every play like it's his last breath, you know, and. He was all over the place making tackles. I believe he led the whole uh, the whole game in tackles. Uh, he made a he made a great diving interception put in zone coverage where he watched the quarterback's eyes perfectly. Uh, it was uh, Cornelius again from Oklahoma State. Who God, he what a rough game he had. Oof, did not do himself any favors in this game this was his second interception. And he just, but he just read Cornelius's eyes perfectly, played that zone perfect, and just dove and made a great play on the ball. And for a linebacker to show off a ball, some ball skills like that, that's that's freaking great. I'm, man, BJ Blunt, and he was doing this. It wasn't just it was on special teams. He made plays. I believe he made the final fumble recovery on the um, uh, the game the where the uh, East team was doing, trying to do like a trick play and they fumbled it, you know, with like the last like few seconds and he jumped on it. He was the first guy to jump on that ball. That's the type of player he is. He's just hard nose. He's all over the damn place. He's what does whatever you ask of him. And he, and I just love him. He, he seemed like a really interesting guy. He's always talking crap. He's just 
an intense dude. He's praising his teammates when they make plays. He's a leader out there, and I think his he's infectious. Like the way he plays the game is infectious, and I think you want a guy like that in your locker room, even if he's just like a special teams like ace or something like that. Even if that's what he ends up being, he's going to positively affect your locker room. I believe with the way he plays, people want to play like when they see him play like that. They want to do that. They want to go to war with a guy like that, and they want to play just as hard. And I really feel like McNeese's, McNeese's BJ Blunt really checks those boxes in terms of like the intangibles of the game. So um, a guy I've talked about uh, recently, Easton Stick, uh, was quarterbacking in this game. In this game, and so the buzz going into the game was that Easton Stick had some really bad practices, which really disappointed me because I really felt like Easton Stick was on the cusp of being able to really play himself into a conversation. And I talked about this on the, sh- on the show that I covered him on recently. I believe it was episode 12. And I was like, you know, this is a weak quarterback class. This is your time. If you can show what you can do, you can possibly play yourself into it a lot earlier of a selection than you thought because it's it's kind of wide open. But yet, I guess in practices, Easton Stick did not do that. His ball placement was all over the place. He just uh, wasn't wasn't he was trying to fit balls in, in windows where they shouldn't have been going, and it just wasn't. It just didn't look. I guess it didn't look good for him in practices, and I'm sure GMs took note of that. But uh, he actually, in the game, he did pretty solid. Uh, He actually had a really nice touchdown throw to Arizona wide receiver Sean Poindexter. Uh, There was pressure coming inside, and Easton Stick, with the pressure coming right at him, didn't phase him. He didn't get skittish in the pocket. He just stood in there, took the hit, threw a nice throw to Poindexter, who ran a nice, really great post route, and... Poindexter got open, got the touchdown. Really good play from both of them. Poindexter really showed showed some nice uh, route running on that play. And I like the really the interesting thing about Sean Poindexter from what they were saying is that he's only a two year football player. He was like not playing football before you know a couple of years ago, so he's really new to the position. So I mean that really shows you a lot of the untapped potential in this guy. I could definitely see a team taking like a really late round flyer on him and saying, Hey, maybe he's a developmental piece and maybe we throw him on a practice squad and see how he develops and see maybe he can really become something. Once he learns the game, the nuances of the position a little more. So, I don't know. thought that was a pretty interesting play there from him. So another, another guy that I thought did, did pretty well from himself was, uh, Mazzy Wilkins from USF, uh, the corner from USF, he so he, he made a really good play um, on the ball. Uh, he was going against Cuse's uh, Jamal Custis, the big 6'5 guy from Cuse. And Wilkins made, jumped on the route, made a great pick. But... Some of that did have to do with Jamal Custis's deficiencies as as a runner, as a route runner. 
he didn't properly break on the ball quick enough. He didn't come out of his break quick enough, and that was why Wilkins was able to get that jump on the route. Custis, for all the size he has and all the things, you know, the ability to get up and just out jump guys and everything, he has problems kind of with his side, his lateral quickness and getting out of his breaks. And he's not quick enough, not as quick as you'd want him to be. And I think Wilkins really took advantage of that on that play and did a really good job, you know, taking advantage. But some of that was on Custis as well. But I thought Wilkins throughout the game really looked pretty pretty good in coverage. I think he's a guy that could definitely be like a like a solid round four type of pick for somebody that really needs corner depth. I thought he I thought he showed out pretty well. Um. So Prince. Oh yeah, Princeton wide receiver Jesper Horstead made a really nice catch. Uh, David Blau from Purdue had a really nice game. Uh, quarterback David Blau really had a just nice. Beautiful deep ball here from Blau. And Horstead had to fight through a ton of defensive back contact and make the catch. And they said he played baseball, which, you know, he was a center fielder in baseball, meaning he knows how to track a ball, knows how to turn his head, see where a ball is coming to him. And he made a really good play here on the ball and even through the contact of the defensive back. So, he he showed put a nice play on film for himself there. That's a guy that could potentially be you know undrafted you know practice squad guy that a team could give a shot. So really really like that that play from him. But um back to but the back to what Jamal Custis can do. Well man, this guy is a freaking tank. Uh, so like I said he's six five, but he's also a big body guy too, and. He, he could really do some damage with that body and length. On a one catch he had, he actually bulldozed over. He trucked a freaking defensive back on a run after a catch. And it was just honestly crazy. The defensive back fell down like he was like, like he was a little kid almost getting bumped into. It's, it was crazy. Uh, so yeah, Jamal Custis... He's a guy I think a team is definitely going to take a chance on late, a little later on just because, I mean, he, the, the size is unbelievable with him. But like I said, I think he definitely has some legitimate issues separation-wise and, and kind of getting in and out of his breaks. And I I just think that is going to affect his, you know, maybe uh, how his potential could be at the next level. Because I, I don't know, he might be more of a guy that you kind of throw it up for in, as like a red zone guy, but not as a guy you really depend on a lot between the hash marks as much. So, I don't know, just to think, that's what I notice about Jamal Custis watching the game. Oh, but, um, so, <laughs> I, I think the most... The guy that did the most for himself, speaking of receiving talent, the guy that did the most for himself in this game in terms of draft stock, in terms of just showing what he can do, Terry Godwin. Wow. Uh, from wide receiver from Georgia, who was overshadowed by Riley Ridley, 
He was a you know high recruit coming out of high school. Got surrounded by a lot of talent at Georgia. Didn't get used as much as he probably wanted to, and probably a lot of other people thought he should have. But man, Terry Godwin is the real deal. This guy can get separation, and that is so so important in terms of being a a higher end receiving prospect in an NFL draft. The first touchdown he got, uh, which was on Blau again. Again, like I said, Blau really had a very solid game. Um, but Godwin scored the first East touchdown off a well-run drag route. He cleared past B.J. Blunt, who I've talked about before, the linebacker from McNeese. He just kind of blew by his him in coverage, and Blunt had no chance on that play. Godwin was just so quick running that route and ran it well and it just caught caught a perfect throw from Blue Blow and uh which was placed well and Godwin got that touchdown. Then after that, he got Godwin got another touchdown from Blow, which was another really well placed ball. Godwin ran a perfect corner route to the pylon and he just again separated from the defensive back because Route, good route runners do that. And he was able to also turn his body, manipulate his body to get the catch and make the catch only where he can make it and the throw is only where he can get it. I was so, so impressed with Terry Godwin. I think everybody else was because he was named the, the offensive MVP of the Shrine game and rightfully slow. So I, I don't think you could give it to anybody else. He was that good. He showed off just incredible route running ability. I I was just came away blown away, floored uh, by this guy and how he had not gotten a lot of, of the hype that I don't I don't I think he should have. <laughs> like I said, a lot of that has to do with just him not getting the reps that he should have at Georgia. But unfortunately, that's going to probably do him, you know, wrong in terms of draft stock, but I don't know. Today after today, I don't know if he's much of a secret anymore because uh he showed out and I was just I came away thinking, man, this guy could be the sleeper pick of this draft that ends up people go, How did we miss on this guy? Like what why did we not think to give this guy a chance earlier in, in the draft? I think he has that potential to be that type of guy and people will sleep on him like that because there's just some bigger names that got a lot more reps where they were at. And I don't know, man, Terry Godwin's the real deal. Who knows? Maybe he ends up being better than Riley Ridley. (laughs) It's possible. But anyway, enough about Terry Godwin. I, I can go on and on about how good he was just, just, Incredibly impressed. But, um, yeah, I thought um, UMass running back Marquise Young was pretty good. Uh, he mostly had some positive gains. Uh, very uh, very elusive. Was able to bounce a lot of runs outside when need be. When need be. I thought he showed uh, some pretty good film for himself. Like I said, this running back class, being as deep it is, as it is, I don't know how much... A lot of these running backs can do to really distinguish themselves, though. It's just it's going to be really tough for some of these guys, and 
I think some talented players are going to be left out in the cold, unfortunately, because of it. And because there's just so many running backs now that are that can really do the job. And you got to be at the kind of the right place, right time now. And you have to really be able to stand out to to get to get the into a back rotation. So, and finally, uh, Darren Hall, the running back from from Pittsburgh, I thought looked really good again here. I liked him during the season a lot as well. I thought he had a couple really, really good games at Pittsburgh this past year. Uh, I really think he, he shows a great combination of power running and elusiveness. He He's very one of those guys, he picks a hole and he just, he guns it and he hits that second level with some power and some just determination and really makes guys pay. And I, I don't know, I've just like Darren Hall a bunch. I found that he 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 ran really well in this game. I, I pretty much everybody ran ran well in this game. I didn't really have a lot of like issues with the running backs in this game. I, I wouldn't say any of them like absolutely stood out from the rest of them. You know, there wasn't like one that really separated from the pack, but they all were really solid and really good in this game. But yeah, no, the good. I thought the running back play in general today was was very solid and really good. So, Darren Hall was just another aspect of that today, and I think he's another guy. Again, probably gonna be muddled up with a lot of other running backs in the later rounds, but uh, he's a guy that I think definitely could think can crack a back rotation in the NFL the way he with the way he runs. But I think that's gonna do it for the Senior Bowl. I mean, I'm sorry, I kind of say the Senior Bowl again. Um, the Shrine Game wrap-up uh, show here. I think my guys that really came away, I thought that really made a name for themselves, uh, I would say number one, Terry Godwin. 100% number one, just, I thought, was the player that really just, you go, wow, okay, this guy could be something. And really made it, you know, made something for himself. Had some great catches besides the touchdown catches I mentioned as well. I just really, really, I can't say enough about how he run well. He runs his routes. It, that's impressive to me. A lot of guys coming out of college aren't doing that as well as he is. So that I think gives him a leg up on some guys. Uh, number two, Jordan Brailford, the Oklahoma State edge rusher, just. Caused mayhem throughout the game in the run game. Pass rushing had moves, had pass rushing moves, had bend to get got out on the outside and get around. Hip, use his hips to flip around the offensive lineman, and Andy recovered a fumble. He he was just all over the place, and he made a name for himself in this game. The only thing with Jordan Brailford, which I I was when I was after reading up on him, has some bad medicals, had the shoulder. That's had a couple really bad injuries in college and spent a lot of his time in college recovering from said injuries. So obviously NFL teams are going to have some red flags about him. And I think that's why he was in this game. And he, I think he really showed people that, Hey, you know, look, I'm healthy right now. You know, judge me on what I'm doing right now and not what happened to me before. So, you know, and that's tough, but I hope it works out for him. And I really hope a team decides to take a shot on him, even with, some of the past medical issues, because I saw a guy that could really make a difference 
in a defensive line rotation. And then another guy uh, would be Justin Hollins, definitely. Uh, Justin Hollins, again, edge, the edge from Oregon. It was so versatile. They played him all over the place, in uh, inside, outside, um, off the ball, on the ball. Uses his, his arms so well. He rips inside. He can... He has the bend. He has the flexibility to go outside, uh, outside of an uh, offensive lineman as well. And had some really, really great tackles in the run game. He's able to disengage off the blocker as well with his arms. And I, I really like that about him. And I thought uh, Jimmy Moreland even showed a lot with what he did on that on that return. Even just if it was a return. And in his coverage was was solid. All game. I I really barely saw him get beat much at all during the game, and I, I really was uh, just confirmed to me that my evaluation on him and that my initial evaluation is looking pretty solid. Um, I mean everybody else though. There there was a lot of guys. Like I said, the offensive linemen did pretty well in um, uh, Nick Allegretti for Illinois and. Um, I apologize. Um, oh my goodness, Tyler Jones from NC State. Uh, both really did great jobs, especially in the run game. Thought they could definitely, they definitely carved out a posi- uh, draft position for themselves uh, as interior guys that could really get it done and move around a little bit. Especially um, Allegretti, who was who played three positions in the game, so. Really like his ability to to jump around positions, and that'll be great for offensive line depth for anybody. And also, oh yeah, finally Brett Rippin too. Uh, really showed some ability to make pro throws. Not the strongest arm, but guy can the guy can really put touch on his throws and just really and really be accurate with the ball. And that's something you can't coach. And that you just have it or you don't, and he has that. So I think Brett Rippon could could be a late first round pick if things fall the right way, and he tests well at the combine and whatnot. I think obviously, I think some teams would be a little scared off because of the arm strength and his built and is not really challenging downfield too much, but. I I really feel Brett could be a a guy that could come in and be a solid NFL starter because of what he can do. Maybe not amazing, but I think he'd be a solid NFL starter. And I believe he showed that during this game. But that yeah, that will about do it for the show today. Thank you all for listening again. So you can find Prospect Profile on iTunes by searching Prospect Profile. You can find us at Podbean at prospectprofile.podbean.com. You can also find us on Stitcher at Prospect Profile. You can also find us on Twitter at Prospect Prof. On Facebook by searching Prospect Profile. And Instagram is at Prospect Profile. So next week we are going to do the Senior Bowl show which is going to be interesting 
probably going to be even loaded more with uh, analysis. I mean, there's even going to be more to cover and a lot more guys, but and some higher name prospects that we kind of already know about a little more about than the guys I covered today, but still it's going to be a big time game. It's always is. You always get to see a little more of, you know, in game what these guys can do. And I, I'm looking forward to being able to cover that. So again, thanks for listening. Tune in next week for the senior bowl coverage. Thank you.